On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts. On March 16, 2009, police questioned Bona Cho, Robin Cho's wife, at her workplace. Then, after she got home, they showed up there too, at her apartment without warning, and executed a search warrant. The police came and took everything, like all the computers. They said they needed to search through the computer and took them. They came in, just took our stuff, and I thought they would return them after a couple days. My children needed the computers to do their homework. But I found out later that once they take something, that's it. It just didn't make any sense to me. And I was like, how could this happen? We couldn't do anything but let all that just happen to us. I was so scared. I couldn't say a single word to them as they did whatever they wanted. And my children were young. That's just how it was. It was like the sky came crashing down. This search of Robin Cho's apartment is happening completely unbeknownst to him because he's back, sitting in an interrogation room with the LAPD, just being grilled by detectives. I'm Sharon Choi. And I'm Ben Adair. You're listening to Strangeland, season one, The Koreatown Murders. This is episode four, The Case Against Robin Cho, part two. Okay, so we're back looking at a video again. It's Robin Cho in the interrogation room. The big table is there, Cho's in the corner again, and the detectives are walking in. Yeah. Yeah, so this is later in that day, after the first interview, after Cho went on that long trek all across Los Angeles. This is what we talked about in the last episode. He goes to that Ross Dress for Less, goes to the fast food places, throws various things into various trash cans, some of which the cops find out are bullets that just happen to match the same caliber as the murder weapon. Exactly. And so after that, he actually just goes back home. But then he gets a call from Detective McCartan, who says they have some more questions to ask him. So Cho goes back to the police station. We had some concerns about the earlier interview, and we had some questions that once we spoke with you and spoke with your wife, different Mm -hmm. other questions arose. At this point, Cho still has no idea that he's the prime suspect in this case. In your garage, Mm -hmm. okay, the victim's cars were Mm -hmm. parked, Yeah, and then you were right next to them. Right. McCartan draws Cho a map of the garage. And then, what's next to you over here? Here is the uh, mostly people 
put their uh, you know dirty stuff right here. Dirty stuff. What's dirty yeah, stuff? Yeah, you know, when you're on your uh, not using bicycle and what is it? Is this a storage room? No, it's not a storage. It's open area, but only oh. car park here. One car right here. This uh, I don't know. The previous owner left this uh, you know area with the uh, dirty carpet and the uh, oh, so if there's a bunch of junk here. Yeah. That would have been a regular space. Yeah, right. But so the, half of them are... They talk for a few more minutes. And then McCartan starts going in a new direction. We did a lot of work on this case mm -hmm. for a number of years. I was actually the original investigator. I've been on this case six mm -hmm. years. Okay. We have scientific evidence. We have physical evidence. We have quite a bit on this case. Look, the reason you're here really is for you to tell us the truth about what really happened that night. Okay. Then the game's up. If we haven't been sitting on our ass for six years, we've done a, a ton of work on this case. Well, I'm sure you have. Okay. Yeah. And from the crime scene, we obtained DNA. Mm -hmm. You know what that is, right? I know. Okay. Yeah. Irrefutable DNA. Okay? I don't know what kind of DNA you have, but... Well, I know what kind we have. You could probably guess whose DNA we have. <laughs> okay? That's... And you know what I'm going to do? Actually... Are you going to be talk, are you going to talk to us about what happened? Otherwise, I'm going to read you your rights. Well, you just you ready read, for me to read your rights? Well, if you read you have anything else you want to ask? You have the right to remain silent. Do you understand? Yeah. Anything you say may be used against you in a court of law. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. You have the right to the presence of an attorney before and during any question. Do you understand? Yeah. If you cannot afford an attorney, one will be appointed. For Does Cho actually ask for an attorney? Actually, no. He just says that he'll answer their questions without an attorney. Huh. And so Detective McCartan just gets back to the DNA. We have DNA from the victim, Mrs. Therese Song. Mm -hmm. Your DNA on our victim. How, okay? could, how could there... No, I'm just telling you. Your DNA is on our victim. That's why you're here. You're not leaving here today. You understand that? You're not leaving here today. You're here now to discuss this case and tell us what happened that night. That's why you're here. You take a breath. Take a deep breath. You're take a that, deep listen, that night. Mr. Cho. That, yeah. Take a deep breath and think back. Remember what happened during the day and tell us your side of the story of what happened. How it happened, why it happened. I have nothing not uh, nothing to do with the case. Then why well, do we get all this evidence? Well, I don't know. You know what you're looking at in this case? It's a triple murder. You're looking at the rest of your life, if not the death penalty. I know okay? that, but yeah, I know. We have, we have more evidence than you could imagine against you in this case. You're not going home tonight, you're going to jail. Let that sink in. You're going to jail, okay? We want you, right now, this is your chance to talk to us about what happened because after we book you, it's done. You're a done deal. You're in the system. You're gone for life. No, I, I have nothing to do with What the is case. it? Tell us your side of the story, Mr. Cho. I told you already. I, Mr. Cho, I wasn't it's too, late. It's too late to deny it. It's too late. Okay? You can say, I didn't do it. I didn't do it as long as until you're blue in the face. I know better. Mr. Pike knows better. My partner knows better. Okay? It's too late. It's your turn to talk with us. That's why you're here this evening. Okay? I know that, but I have nothing Mr. to do with Mr. the Cho. case. Mr. Okay? Cho, 
It's past that. It's bullshit. You know you did it. You're involved in the case. Either you did it by yourself or with whoever or whoever made you do it or somebody paid you to do it because you were in financial stripes. Whatever. You let me know. What is it? What caused you to do that? I didn't do it. Tell us what what happened. Why did, did things get out of hand? Did somebody attack you? Did somebody force you to do that? Did somebody pay you to do it because you were financially strapped and you were, you were desperate? If that's the situation, fine. Just tell us. No. We need to know the reason. We'd like to know the reason of what happened. I what pushed you? How what can pushed I tell you, you Mr. Why Cho, what pushed you to the edge? What pushed you to the edge where you did this? No. What was it? I, I know you were desperate. I was by you, other people, but I never you, did anything like that. You were you were pushed to the edge because you were well in debt two million dollars whatever it was you were, you took a lot of people's money hoping to invest for them properly and it didn't work out so you were desperate no and then you tell me what I happened. wasn't desperate that time then what happened why did this happen were I you having an affair it. with Mrs Song was she your, your girlfriend I told you I never was talked she? to her well how'd you get your how'd your DNA get on her I don't know how did your what DNA get DNA on her you, listen I, to me we can't. You can't just... This interrogation feels really different than the one we listened to in the last episode. Detective McCartan is interrupting Cho. He has this big aha moment. We have your DNA on the victim. And then he really wants to get Cho to confess. But he's also not letting him speak. He's interrupting him a lot. He's not letting him get a word in edgewise. Sharon, we spoke with former LAPD detective and interrogation expert Paul Bishop in the last episode. Does he have anything to say about this exchange? Yeah, quite a bit. The detectives in this thing are really, really badgering. And they are not listening uh, or letting Mr. Cho talk. What happened? What pushed you, Mr. Cho, what pushed you to the edge? What pushed you to the edge where you did this? Now, that's a legitimate technique that I use is called monologuing. If you believe that this suspect is guilty, you then begin to monologue and you stop the suspect from talking. And there's ways to do that. But the detective here is talking way too fast for anything to be settling in. It's badgering monologue. What monologue is designed to do is to be white noise. Because at some point, he's going to be going from, I can't tell the detective I did this, to, how am I going to tell the detective I did this? You are waiting for a question as they come out of it that's like, what's going to happen to me? That question is in itself an admission of guilt. They, they just need one more little push, one more little question answered before they're going to, dam's going to break and they're going to tell you the truth. Instead, what's being employed here is badgering, anger on the part of the detectives who are getting frustrated. I say to detectives, why do you give up in the interrogation room when the suspect has not invoked his rights and he's still talking to you? Well, he's just a jerk, or another <laughs> applicable term. Um, get your butt back in the room and continue the interrogation. You've given up. You've walked away. He's still talking to you. He's won right now. Go back into the room until you get the truth, or they invoke their rights, or 
whatever the case may be. Detective McCartan's not at the point where he's leaving the room yet, but it sounds like maybe he's getting there. He is getting angry at Cho. He's getting um, uh, badgering, as as Paul says. Where is he going to go from here? You ever watch those CSI shows? I don't like them, but they're they're true. A lot of the stuff they say is true. DNA does not lie. That's better evidence than a fingerprint. You can you can go to court and say, hell, it wasn't me. I don't know her. I never saw her. I was never in her apartment. But wait. DNA is all over this place. How'd that happen? How'd that happen? It doesn't happen because it fucking blew in the air. It happens because you were there. I didn't do it. It, it happened. You can say that till you blew in the face. I know Mr. Pike knows you were there. DNA does not lie. It does not lie, Mr. Cho. I, I don't care about the, how the DNA got there, but... Mr. Cho, enough. Don't, don't be silly. Come on. No, I'm not silly. This is being serious now, okay? You can deny it all you want. It's not going to change things that you're... It's not going to change... I'm not denying not that I didn't do it, okay? It's not going to show... It's not going to change that you are going to go to jail tonight. I don't care if I go to jail or not, but I didn't do it. You did, then who did it then? If it wasn't you. Somebody grabbed your DNA and put it in the house? How do I know? Is that how it is? Listen, you can't refute that your DNA's there. Your DNA's there. You're screwed. There's not a goddamn thing you can do to refute that. You could say... You could keep telling us that you blew in the face. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I wasn't on, there on, on that day. You, I wasn't home on that day. Oh, where were you then? I told you I was in the valley in the morning that I was in my friend's office in the afternoon the whole time. So these people will come in and testify for you? Well, I'm sure they will. You sure they will? Yeah. I don't want to hear bullshit. I want to know. No, I want the truth. The truth You've been bullshitting is... me. You've been bullshitting us all day. We got it all. Trust me. We got it all, all right? We didn't just wake up yesterday or this morning and decide, well, Let's pin this on Mr. Cho because we have nobody else to do it, to pin it on. It doesn't happen that way. It does not happen that All way. Oh, right, yeah, whatever. The, you you we, run the DNA and see it prove. What's that? You just run the DNA and see We it. already did. It already came back to you. How do you think we got your name? We didn't know you. It was a dynamite hit. All of a sudden, bam, there it is, Mr. Cho. Wow. He lived in the same fucking building. He lived yeah. on the first floor. Same friggin' building. You parked right next to them. Yeah. I'm telling you, that's how we got all this. We didn't just come up uh, out of thin blue air and decide to come after you, because I didn't know you from Adam till today. Watch Mr. Cho. Mr. Cho very often crosses his arms across the chest. When your boss is ragging on you and you cross your arms across your chest, what are you doing? You're protecting yourself, right? You're, you've closed up. Are you listening anymore? You're just waiting for it to be over with. If I see him fold his arms, what does that tell me? It tells me that I basically just screwed up because whatever it was that I said that made him do that, I can't say that again. So I have to remember, what was it I said that made him do that? They keep saying the same thing over and over again, and every time they do, Mr. Cho folds his arms. You're not paying attention to what the suspect is telling you. The suspect is telling you, I don't like that. I'm not hearing that. And so you're battering your head against a brick wall at that point. Until you can get him to relax his arms and be back into a listening posture, you might as well be talking to the wall behind him. You keep asking yourself the same question I'm asking you. Maybe somebody, must, somebody must be fabricating my DNA or... They you know. There's no way to do that unless they chop your finger off and put it up there. No. Take some skin off you, take some blood from you. Somebody take blood from you recently? 
then that, that's what I'm, I'm. That's one way your DNA can get there. I you know, wasn't and, up there. Maybe did you go to the doctor recently? They took blood from you, and then somebody put your blood up there. Is that what happened? Well, I'm, I'm telling you, I never went up there. Well, I didn't. Then how did your DNA get up there? Because you, you, you just keep denying something that you I can't know deny. that I didn't do anything. Okay. Well, you know, you can say that. You'll be saying that in prison the rest of your life. The rest of your life. And you, you want, you're ready for your life to be over. You done? No. You want your life? You want to be in behind bars? I little, didn't do it. Why a little guy like you in jail? No, once I got there, I didn't do anything. Well, then you're going to go to jail saying you didn't do anything. That's going to be the case, I guess, huh? No, I, I didn't go well, up there. I didn't do you want, it. You're done talking to me. Should we leave? Are you going to, well, keep, you going to keep denying it or are you going to tell us the truth here? No, I'm telling you the truth. Detective McCartan seems to realize he's getting nowhere. And he's getting really agitated. He gets up from his chair and moves towards the door. But before he leaves, he asks Cho one more question. Do you have your keys, Mr. Cho? Mm -hmm. Can I have your keys, please? Right back. After the break, another detective tags in and tries a new approach to get the truth from Robin Cho. We'll be right back. Okay, Sharon, so Detective McCartan's out. He took the keys, he left the room, slammed the door. Who's in? This is Detective George Shamlian. You'll remember him from the interrogation from the last episode. He enters, takes a seat, and you can hear that his tone is pretty different from Detective McCartan. It's softer, it's less aggressive, more persuasive. Okay, Mr. Cho, here's the deal. Okay, we, looking at your background, okay, you don't have any violent history. Okay, you don't have any arrests for murderers, shooting people, stuff like that. What we don't know is if somebody put you up for this, okay? If somebody asked you to do this, okay? There very well could be that somebody forced you to do it. Or somebody got you into something you didn't want to do. And they got you into this, okay? And that's our job, trying to do a thorough job. Trying to find out, you know, what was your real involvement? We know you were there. Okay, so I'm glad he's asking these questions too. And it does sort of seem like he's doing what Paul Bishop in the last segment said he should do. Like, Cho's assimilated the information. Now let's give him a way out. So what does Cho say now? Cho just continues to say the same thing. I was not there. I did not do it. So Detective Shamlian tries a different tactic. You seem to be a family man, right? Yeah. You have kids. You have yeah. wife, you have father, mother you take care of, you're a responsible man, okay? And I know you care for your family, okay? Yeah. Here's the deal. In my culture, in my culture, you know, it's an Armenian culture, the kids come first, right? Mm -hmm. I, th I think similar to Korean culture, kids yeah. come first, Yeah. okay? And we do everything for our kids, okay? In the same, in the same sense, it's culturally not, not accepted to harm kids, right? Now, 
my point is this. I don't think your intention was to harm this baby. Okay? But who put you up to this? Okay, I see what he's doing here. He's trying to sort of create a bond with Cho. It's different than what was happening before. Right, and you can see the effect it has on him in his body language. When McCartan was leading the interrogation, Cho was mostly leaning back away from the table, arms crossed, often staring up at the ceiling. But when Shamlian talks to him like this, Cho leans forward in his chair, arm on the table, nodding along and holding eye contact with him. Shamlian's trying to build this very personal, almost like secretive rapport with Cho, which is quite different from what we've seen so far. Right, all the bluster and anger that was coming from McCartan, like that's the opposite of that. Yeah, it's almost like Shamlian is trying to coax Cho into telling him the truth. This moment really stuck out to me while I was watching the video of the interrogation. It seemed like it was working. So I wanted to ask Paul Bishop if he thought this was a good approach from Detective Shamlian. That was an effective angle. One of the things that you have to determine before you go in the room and ask the first question, is this a, a factual analysis suspect or is this an emotional suspect? An emotional suspect commits an emotional crime for an emotional reason. I can put on my Uncle Paul routine and approach that uh, emotional suspect and generally very shortly have them crying. And once they start crying, then they belong to me. But a factual analysis suspect, somebody who's all about the facts of the case, and they just want to know what you've got. We've got your DNA. We've got you picked out in a photo lineup. We've got this. We've got that. To the point where the suspect goes in his mind, okay, they've got me. So here, is Mr. Cho an analytical factual analysis suspect, or is he an emotional suspect? I think he falls on the side of emotional so that appeal to, in my culture, the same as your culture, that's real solid technique. And you have to be able to read that suspect because if you've judged him as an emotional suspect and you are seeing him fold his arms and get nowhere, you can't continue down that path. You have to switch yourself. You have to switch approaches. You have to become the person the suspect needs you to be in order to confess. Huh, that's fascinating. I've never heard interrogations explained that way. So if I'm to read what, what I've been seeing here, McCartan's going hard at Cho kind of as a factual analysis suspect. We have all this. We have your DNA. We have your DNA. Basically, we have your DNA a million times and really wasn't getting anywhere. Then Shamlian comes in and starts appealing to Cho's emotions, and it seems like he's getting somewhere. Does he get anywhere? Not really, because this new approach doesn't last. How do you how explain your DNA at the crime scene? I have no clue. I wasn't there. Okay. How do you explain your DNA being at the crime scene? I wasn't there. I don't know. You tell me. No, I'm asking you. How can you say I, I, I was know not that's there? The science, how, can, science. How, science. Yeah. how can you contradict what the science tells us? It's not eyewitnesses. Oh, that's so frustrating. I mean, it felt like he was really getting somewhere and then he just flipped back to the old way of just kind of berating him over and over with the same information. Yeah, I think, you know, Shamlian really tried at one point appealing to their culture and all of that, but he very quickly gives up and goes straight back to the same talking points with Cho. 
And so Detective McCartan comes back and takes over the interrogation again. So where do they go from there? Do they get anything from him? They just keep going on and on about the same thing. You were there. We have the DNA. And Cho keeps on repeating, I was never there and I did not do it. Detective McCartan just keeps getting more and more frustrated until at one point, the tension really boils over. Just think about your family. I know my family. I love my family. Why don't you sit here and think about it a little bit? You know, give yourself a little uh, reality check yourself and realize uh, what's going on. Why don't you stand up real quick? Do you have any guns or knives? Let me get up. Straight the wall. Put your hands on the wall. Yeah. you have any weapons on you or anything? Well, you find it. Do I? Do you? You just find it. If you no, don't be a freaking smartass. I mean, do you have any guns or... or you have any guns on you or not? No. Or any weapons? No. Then don't be a fucking smartass to me. I'm asking you a serious question. I already told you when I come in. I, I don't know, have but anything. Get against over here. What do you have on you? Have any? Uh, you have your wallet and ID on you? Why don't you do me a favor? Empty your pockets right here. So now he's literally frisking him, putting him up against the wall because this will get him to talk. Is this technique? Is this just him losing his his temper? What's going on here? I had no idea. So I wanted to ask Paul about it. Uh, okay, it's idiotic. I'm sorry. Um, you are trying to establish a relationship with this individual and all of a sudden you're putting him up against the wall and patting him down. If you thought that person has had a weapon, why in the world is he in the interrogation with, room with you to begin with? That to me was a frustration on the part of the detective who has to do something to alleviate his own stress. And that is, stand up, I'm gonna pat you down. At that point, the interrogation's lost, at least for that detective. I mean, think about how would you feel? How would you feel if in the middle of interrogation, in the middle of me talking to you, I say, all right, stand up and assume the position. Any relationship that we have to that point, is it still there or is it done with? It's done with. Right. In my opinion, that was not the right approach. So McCartan's got Cho up against the wall and what happens next? Cho empties his pockets, turns towards Detective McCartan and asks him a question. You want my paper? Everything. I brought my paper. It's just a paper for... Oh, you have the... This is your calendar. That's it. Nothing else? Okay, so... Let me get a copy back here. Wait, what's this paper he's talking about? So remember at the end of the first interrogation in the last episode, when the detectives asked Cho about his planner from 2003? Turns out he brought a page from that planner with him. And he waits until this moment to tell them? Yeah. So the reason Cho's planner came up in the first place is because the detectives were asking him about what he did on the day of the murders, his alibi. But the more he talked about that day, the more his story started changing. So when he came back, he brought a page from his planner. But the page he brought with him is not the page for May 5th, the day of the murders. Instead, it's for April 3rd, basically a completely random day. That doesn't make any sense. 
I mean, you'd think he'd bring the page with him that shows that he was incapable of committing these murders. You'd think. So Detective McCartan leaves the room to go make a copy, leaving Investigator Peck to handle Cho's alibi. So you go to Grinder Hills and drive all the way to Woodland Hills. And is that like a P.O. box? Or is like a... No, it's a U.S. post office. Oh, it's a U.S. post office? Yeah. So that's the U.S. Post Office, and then you did you say you had went to your brother's place? No, I don't know which way I went first, but the uh, it's same ground the hill, so maybe I went to my brother's first. And as Peck works through Cho's alibi, the story gets more and more elaborate. Well, I went to post off, pick up the mail, mm -hmm. then I. Probably went to the uh, right next to that is TJ Maxx. Okay, that's something that you didn't tell me before, right? Yeah. Then I, I either some uh, drink, like a McDonald's. I don't know really it was McDonald's or something, but some I fast food place. Yeah, I stopped by to buy something yeah. to drink. Uh -huh. Yeah. You didn't pick up lunch, but only drink, right? Yeah. As Peck writes down more and more of Cho's ever-evolving story, Detective McCartan interrupts and pulls Peck out of the interrogation room. As Peck is leaving, Cho asks if he can use his cell phone. Peck says he'll ask, then he leaves. He comes back a couple minutes later. Mr. Cho, I gotta uh, go meet somebody real quick, so I don't want you to wait. You know, I told you you can use a phone, so you can use a phone, but to your house, your wife only, right? Yeah, to my house. Okay, all right, so you can use a phone, whatever. You can use a phone, okay? I'll be, I'll be back. Cho pulls out his cell phone, and he calls his oldest son. It rings, but no one answers. So Cho leaves a message. It's me, Daddy. I've been wrongfully accused of something that I didn't do. And what you need to do is just stick with the uh, mommy and me and pray that daddy can go home soon. And when you get a chance, you need to write a letter to not only to president, but governor, but mayor that uh, daddy has been wrongfully accused. And you need to gather signatures from the church or the, all the other Catholic members to sign a petition that I'm wrongfully accused. I'm innocent man. And you need to do that and continue to your school. Do your homework. Don't worry about the daddy, I'm fine. Just uh, stick with the uh, mommy and listen to her well and do your study well. I'll call you later. Bye. I love you. Cho then calls his wife, Hona. Oh, nande? So, what's he saying here? So, he's asking if there are people there and that he's calling because he was allowed to make this phone call. He goes on to say that a search warrant doesn't matter. He's trying to say something else and then the call just ends. 
what happened? Do we, do we know? Yeah. Remember earlier when Detective McCartan asked for Cho's keys? This is why. They wanted to be sure that they could get into his apartment. And according to Cho, one of the detectives searching his home told his wife to hang up the phone. Oh. Back in the interrogation room, Cho just looks down at his phone, slouches forward in his chair, and sits in this bright, empty room all alone. So after Cho's call to his wife Pona is cut off, he's left alone for about a minute or so, until Detective McCartan bursts back into the room. Uh, Robin, <clears throat> they're at your mom's house, and there's a desk drawer that's got a. Is there a key to it? But otherwise, we're going to break it open. Cho's a little flustered, and he tells them that he already gave them the key to his mom's drawer. It's a little one on the keychain they took earlier. McCartan hops back on the phone, and then they leave Cho alone, again. At least 20 minutes go by before Detective McCartan and DA Investigator Peck come back into the interrogation room. Again, they question Robin about his alibi. And again, he tries to convince them that this was exactly what he did on the day of the murders. Are they buying it? No. The detectives just do not believe him. And as the conversation peters out, Detective McCartan decides to try one last line of questioning. I just want to know why you did it, Mr. Cho. I told you why I didn't do it. Why would you kill those three of the people? I don't understand. That's what I, that's been bugging me for six years. I didn't do it. Looking at you, I can't believe you would do it, something like that. You're, you're just not the type of person, but I just want to know why, though. What happened? Why did they piss you off or something? Did they get so angry? You got so angry that you're in a fit of rage? I it. In a fit of rage, you shot these people for some reason? Did you? Did somebody pay you to do it? I told you nobody. I why did you do it? Nobody told me anything. I didn't tell well, anybody. Why did you do it? That's I didn't I want, do it. That's all I want to know, Mr. Cho. That's the only question I'll ask, I want you to answer and I'll leave. Well, why, I'll write it down. Why did you do it? You want me to write you it You'll write down why you did it? Yeah, give me a pen for you. Yeah. Write down why you did it. Be, be honest now. Wait, it seems like he's taking the paper. It seems like he's writing down a confession. No. What he's actually writing is, I didn't do it. Well, that's not, you didn't write it down then. I thought you were going to write down the, the reason you killed those people. It's not why. He asked why. That, is that answer to a why question? I did not do it. So that's how not do a, I know that's, why? That's not... That's not something, that's not even part of the answer here, because we know you did. The answer, <laughs> I know why. you said you did it. No, we asked you why. He didn't ask you, did you do it? That wasn't the question. Mm -hmm. Question was, why? Because we know you did it. It's just a matter of why. I said I didn't do it. We didn't They're treating him like maybe he doesn't understand, like he's a moron, maybe he doesn't get it. But he's kind of giving them the middle finger. He's like, fuck you, I didn't do it. Yeah. And at this point, it's just kind of completely descended into it's meaningless. Like nothing is nothing more is going to happen here. It's yeah, it's not even a real conversation. Right. So we sent Paul Bishop, our interrogation expert, some of the moments that stuck out the most. 
And during our conversation, unprompted, Paul brought up this moment when Cho writes, I didn't do it. Oh, I love the clip where the detective says, would you write it down for me? Yes. What you did. And he gives him the pad and I'm watching Cho and I'm going, anybody who can't see this coming is blind to what's happening in the room. And I'm watching as he writes and I can literally see him write, I didn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) That to me is the sign of an innocent person. Mm, what what in particular makes you think that? He keeps telling, I didn't do it. A guilty person, when confronted with that, you know, you did this, you killed this person. A lot of times you'll get a guilty person that'll go, I don't know why you think that. Or I didn't do that. Well, wait a minute. What kind of response is, I didn't do that? You've just been accused of murder. Shouldn't it be more forceful? I didn't do it. And here, Mr. Cho, every time that they accuse him of this, Mm -hmm. he doesn't let him get away with it. I didn't do it. And he's firm about it. He's not weak about it. He's not over the top about it. So, look, I can be fooled the same as the next person. And that's something that you have to accept. Um, I don't think that guilt or innocence can be determined through these clips. If pushed, I would come down on the side that the behaviors I'm seeing are far more indicative of innocence than deception. However, this needs further investigation and a much better approach to the interrogation than what we're seeing here. I mean, it's hard to know, I would say, from watching this interrogation, from speaking with Paul Bishop, it's hard to know what to think. Like, if there would have been a different person leading this interrogation, maybe it would have gone a totally, totally different direction. Maybe we would have a confession from Cho. I don't think we can say one way or another, oh, he's an innocent person. He's not an innocent person. Right. I think we can just say, like, these guys did not get any information from him other than the one piece of information. I didn't do it. Right. So... How does the interrogation end? So the detectives walk through Cho's alibi again, and they just keep getting frustrated because he does not change his story. You can wrap up whenever. I'm just and then we'll see. I'm done. He's, you know, he's not telling yeah, me. He's not telling so just go on out when you're ready. We'll book him in a couple minutes. All right. McCartan leaves, and Peck does this thing he's done a few times when he's been alone with Cho. He tries to get through to him. Like I said, if there is anything physical evidence that can prove you what you told me, your statement was true, mm-hmm. then I'll leave if there is anything. Yeah, I just, I'm here, how can I present you with that? Maybe I, I can, something. if I know, I can go to the uh, the post office, see if they still have the, uh, the video. <laughs> Six years ago, nothing happened at the post office. You think they will keep this video? Yeah, I'm sure there's some place keep it for a long time. I'm just asking about post office because yeah. we're talking about post office, right? Yeah. You're playing word games with me. I'm not. Yeah. Peck gets up, muttering to himself in Korean, then slams the door behind him. Cho sits alone, elbows on the table, face in his hands. He's in this position for eight full minutes until the video 
just cuts off. Later that evening, Robin Cho was arrested and charged with the triple murder. One count of first-degree murder for the killing of Chui Song, and two counts of second-degree murder for the killing of the nanny and the two-year-old. When I asked his wife, Puna, what she remembered about that night, she described how her husband had gone down to the police station and how he never came back. Next on Strangeland. Robin looks like a harmless guy with his glasses. He has no prior history of violence that I recall. So he woke up one day to kill everyone where he doesn't steal anything. Does that make sense? It does not make sense. The Trial of Robin Cho is coming up on the next episode of Strangeland, produced by Western Sound, starting right now. <laughs>